0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Two rather long shows tonight, which means a short walk for me to the back of the studio, to listen in along with you for another exciting episode of Sergeant Preston and his dog, King, on Challenge of the Yukon. This program first aired in 1949.
2: Now, as gunshots
3: echo across the windswept snow-covered reaches of the wild northwest, Quaker puff wheat and Quaker puff rice, the breakfast cereal shot from guns, present the Challenge of the Yukon. It's Yukon King, swiftest and strongest lead dog of the Northwest, blazing the trail for Sergeant Preston of the Northwest Mounted Police in his relentless pursuit of lawbreakers. On King,
4: one,
5: you huskies!
3: Gold, gold discovered in the Yukon, a stampede to the Klondike and the Wild Race for Riches, back to the days of the gold rush. With Quaker puff wheat and Quaker puff rice bringing you the adventures of Sergeant Preston and his wonder dog Yukon King as they meet the challenge of the Yukon. Warning! Calling all fellas and girls. Listen carefully. Nutrition authorities say... Breakfast should furnish from one-quarter to one-third of the day's total food requirements. So eat a good breakfast. Eat a better breakfast. Eat a cereal. Yes, you can't go wrong if you eat plenty of cereal, fruit, milk, bread, and butter. So tomorrow, enjoy a bowl full of delicious Quaker puffed wheat or Quaker puffed rice topped with milk or cream and fruit. There's no beating this eating for tasting swell. What's more, for added health benefits... Crisp, tender wheat or rice shot from guns furnishes restored natural grain amounts of vitamin B1, niacin, and iron. Yes, and talk about good. Just try them. You'll love to eat Quaker puffed rice and Quaker puffed wheat. It was a bitter cold day when Corporal Delaney of the Northwest Mounted Police pushed two prisoners before him into the small jail at Carson Corners. The Mountie had come a long way that day and his face was blue with cold and his eyes heavy from lack of sleep. Zeke, the old jailer, poked up the fire in the big stove as the corporal put the prisoners into the empty cell.
2: I'll have this place hotter than a Dutch oven in a few minutes, corporal, so that you can thaw out. You got some tea on your sled out there? I can heat up some water for you. Thanks, Zeke. Maybe you better make some
6: tea for the prisoners, but I'm going on over the cafe and have an early supper and turn in. Sleep is the only thing I'm interested in.
2: I don't suppose you've slept much lately, having to guard two prisoners all the way from Moose Creek.
6: I was mighty glad to get here, I'll tell you. My job's finished now, though. I'm going back to my station in the morning.
2: Sergeant Preston will pick those men up and take them into Dawson. Oh, Ah, This fire feels good. I sure will be glad to see the Sergeant. When do you think he'll get here?
6: I don't know exactly, but I imagine he'll get here in two or three days. In the uh, meantime, keep a sharp watch on those two in the cell. They're tricky. You have a lot of trouble with them? That's why I couldn't get any sleep. They tried to escape twice. They know they're going to hang for murder, so they're quite desperate.
2: Well, don't you worry. I'll watch him. I'll deliver them to Sergeant Preston when he comes. My wife will be glad to hear that the sergeant's coming to town. She likes him and... Always has him to supper. I know she'd be glad to have you eat with us tonight, Corporal. If you can wait long enough for her to cook it. Now, that's nice of you, Zeke, but I'm afraid I wouldn't make very good company.
6: <laughs> I'd probably fall asleep in my plate. I'll be getting along
2: now. Well, I might as well walk over with you. I can help you unharness the team and feed them while Joe gets your supper going. I'll bring the prisoners their supper, too. I imagine they're hungry, all right. And I'd welcome some help with my dog team.
6: Come on.
3: As Corporal Delaney and Zeke left the jail, one of the men in the cell rose from the cot in which he'd been sitting. Mike Horton was big and towered over the French Canadian who stood near the cell door. His big hands, covered with red hair, Mike grasped the bars of the door and shook them fiercely.
7: Maybe I can break one of these bars loose. Nah, they bars too strong, even for you. We got to get out of here if we want to save our necks. Yeah, we we I'll with no supplies. I'd rather take a chance on that than have my neck stretched by a rope. Don't worry. If we get out of here, we'll get supplies. How you get out? That old dodo of a jailer ain't very smart. If he comes too close to these bars and I can get my hands on him, I'll bet we go free. You hear what Mounty tell him? He say to watch you. Uh, he said the money that's coming for us would we'll be here in about three days. It gives us a little time for the old man to get careless. He's just got to do it once. Yeah. Well, me, I'm tired. Food and sleep tonight for me, that's all. Yeah, good sleep is what we both need. And some hot food. When that old geezer gives us our dinner, I'm going to be watching him. I'll find out where he carries his keys and how careless he is. And tomorrow night, we'll know just what to do. You think? Tomorrow night we try to escape? You're with me, ain't you? You'll try and make a break with me tomorrow night? Yeah, I can lose nothing. To starve or freeze or hang. There's no choice. If we get out of here before that other money gets to town, we don't do any of them. We'll get free and get out of the country. <laughs> I got a plan. Tomorrow we plan. Tonight, we sleep. The early winter darkness had
3: fallen as Sergeant Preston drove his dog team into town the following evening. As he neared Zeke's cabin close to the edge of town, his big lead dog, King, slowed his pace. And the sergeant chuckled as the dog halted in front of it.
4: Oh, you have to easy now. I thought you'd know where to stop. You want to go in and see Zeke and Molly, don't you? You never forget places that have nice juicy bones waiting for you. Well, come on, I was going to stop here anyway. Hello, Molly.
8: Why, Sergeant Preston and King, come in. Come on in, boy. We didn't expect you for another day or so. Zeke said you'd probably be here in about three days.
4: And Corporal Delaney got here with the prisoners.
8: Oh yes, they're safe in jail. Zeke's down there now, getting the supper for them. Oh, now take off your pockets, and sit near the stove and get warm. Thanks, Molly. Oh, King, I'm glad to see you.
4: my better time than expected. Good thing I did. starting to snow. i like to have a heavy storm before morning. But
8: you stay to have supper with us. We'll eat just as soon as Zeke gets back.
4: You know, I was hoping you'd ask me.
8: Why, you know very well that you and King don't have to be asked, Sergeant. You're welcome here any time you come to town.
4: Zeke have any trouble with the prisoners?
8: No, none at all. He was worried about them because Corporal Delaney said they were desperate men. So Zeke slept at the jail last night. He said they didn't give him any trouble at all. One of them was even kind of pleasant. Oh. He said he heard them talking about life in the jail because it was warm and they were getting hot food.
4: That may be a way of trying to get Zeke off his guard. I
8: never thought of that. But if they're sensible, they'd never try escaping. They'd be taking an awful chance It's so cold.
4: Most prisoners wouldn't leave a warm jail on a night like this, even if the doors were unlocked. But you must remember, these men are going to hang. They might be willing to risk freezing.
8: Now, Zeke is watching. He plans to sleep there again tonight, but he's coming home for supper. He takes them their Supper, from the cafe. It's closer.
4: Zeke can sleep at home tonight. I'll sleep at the jail. Oh, uh, speaking of supper, i better go out and feed my dogs.
8: You're going to leave them here tonight?
4: No, I'll leave them in harness, take them with me. There's a place for them behind the jail. Inside the jail, Mike and
3: Louie waited restlessly for Zeke to return from the cafe with their supper. Louis was nervous and his hands picked at the blanket covering the cot on which he sat.
7: It's cold, it is bad. With no supply, we freeze. we are gone tonight if we get the chance. That money may get here sooner than they expect. And don't worry about supplies. When we set fire to the jail, everyone will come running here. We take what we please from the cabins at the edge of town. Uh, if everything works as you plan, but maybe no. Well, old Zeke ain't as careful as he was... When he gave us our dinner this noon, I could have grabbed him. But I couldn't rest being seen in daylight. Tonight, they'll be sure we have burned up in the jail. They won't even start looking for us. <laughs> they'll be sure we're dead, along with old Zeke. Quiet. It comes. Well, here's your dinner, boys. Hope it's
2: still warm. I hurried as fast as I could to keep it from freezing solid. It's getting colder. It looks like a storm's blowing up. Uh, thanks, Zeke.
7: I'm getting hungry. Here, yeah, maybe I can help you. huh? Let go, me! Let go. Yeah, be quiet or I'll break your arms. Roy, get yeah. his keys. Hang on just his belt. My, my arms, let go. Pull him closer to the yeah. bar. You can reach him now. Get his gun. Right. I got him. He's gone. Yeah, Get the door open, hurry. Right. Then let him have it with the foot of the gun. No, hurry, no. I can't hold him all night. My arms. They'll get you for this. Yeah. You'll freeze, Oh, oh spill the oil out of the lantern you get matches out of six parts we just leave them here like these i uh, sure he's unconscious you'll never know what happened to him i take we all burned up together yeah yeah matches all right give to me they'll be the cabins toward the end of town by the time they see this fire start and start one another the cabins will be out of the way get your part going give me mine right this is going to be the cleanest getaway anybody ever thought of
3: Sergeant Preston had fed his dogs and was sitting beside the stove drinking a cup of hot tea as Molly busied herself with supper. King lay near the door, away from the heat of the stove. Molly looked at the old clock on the shelf.
8: Zeke should be home any minute now. Want some more tea, Sergeant?
4: No, thanks, Molly. This warmed me up nicely. What's wrong, King?
8: Maybe hear Zeke come here's Zeke coming.
4: in. hears something. Listen.
8: Something's happened. I hear people yelling.
4: I'll see what it is.
8: Here's your parker, Sergeant. Don't you go out without
4: it. Thanks, Molly. Look, it's the jail. Jail's on fire. Oh,
8: my heavens, and Zeke with those two murderers. I'd better help, Molly. I'll get my coat. Maybe
4: I can
3: help, too. As Sergeant Preston, with King running beside him, approached the burning building, he saw the small group of men outlined against the flames, staring helplessly.
4: Zeke and the prisoners got out? them. Ned James saw the jail on fire, but by the time we got here, we could see there was no use trying to put it out. You mean Zeke might be in there? He must be. And there were two prisoners locked in the cell. I'm going after them. Hey, no. It's too late, Sergeant. That rope's going to fall any minute now. I've got now. to try it. I'll put this muffler over my face. Black King, stay here, boy. Do you hear? Down. I'm going to get Zeke. Stay on. there, boy. He's crazy to go in there. That's the last we'll see of that, Molly. His dog knows it, too. Quiet, old boy. Sergeant gave you orders to stay here. Come on, man.
3: As Sergeant Preston entered the flaming building, the smoke rose around him in blinding clouds. He held his breath and staggered through it, his face protected by the woolen muffler. But the heat seemed to sear his eyes, and water poured from them. His lungs, bursting for air, he drove himself forward and heard the ominous crack of a beam of flaming wood above him. It was then that he stumbled over a figure lying on the floor in front of him. The smoke stung his eyes, but he fumbled for Zeke's arm and bending, lifted the body to his shoulders and lunged toward the door. The burning timbers behind him crashed. Now to continue our story. As the burning timbers behind him crashed, Sergeant Preston staggered and fell with Zeke's body in the snow that was melting from the heat of the fire. Everything seemed to be spinning in mad circles. He had to fight desperately to cling to consciousness. <coughs> he was only vaguely aware of men who All gathered right. around him, beating at smoldering patches of flame on his partner. There's another. Get the fire out before we try to move him.
9: Hey, hey, you boys, you take seat. Take him next door, Okay, you? come ahead. Yeah, put some wet snow on that smoldering place. All right. That's a ticket. That does it.
3: Then the Mountie felt cold, clean air in his lungs. His brain stopped spinning. He felt himself carried farther from the fire. Easy now. He opened his eyes.
9: Well... well You'll be all right, Sergeant. Just take it easy for a few minutes. The fire. You're away from it. you may be all right, Sergeant. We sure it thought you were a goner.
4: Zeke, where's Zig?
9: Sieg? Zeke's all taken care of. Those are taken to the cafe next door. There, there goes the room. A few seconds more, it would have been the last of you. The
4: prisoners, the men in that cell.
10: That's the last of them, all right? But you did all you could do, Sergeant. How you ever got out is more
4: than I'll understand. Hello there, King. Did we have a time holding that dog back? He almost pulled Jim and me in there after you. It's all right, boy. I'm not hurt. Yes, i better go see what I can do for Zeke. Uh, you need any help, Sergeant? Are you still dizzy? No, I'm all right now. My and cleared. Zeke's wife,
9: Molly, is in there with him now. She got here just when you started out the door carrying him.
4: Good. Hope Zeke's all right. He must have inhaled a lot of smoke. Oh, he'll come out of it all right. Zeke's a tough old bird. We'll see how he's coming along.
3: While Sergeant Preston made his way to the cafe, Mike and Louie had reached the last cabin on the trail from town. Molly, in her haste, had left the door open, and the light from the oil lamp inside shone in a rectangular patch on the snow, as the two men crept slowly from the rear of the cabin.
5: We can
7: take what we need from this cabin, Louie. There's no one here. Door's wide open. We, everyone in town, has gone to the fire. Yeah, it's empty, all right. Hey, look at those shelves in there, loaded with canned stuff. We'll take blankets, too. You better keep watch out here while I collect it, huh? Mike, wait. What's wrong?
9: Look out there in front. Do you see it?
7: Uh, It's a dog team on a sled. And they're all in harness, ready to go. (laughs) This is the luckiest thing that could have happened to us. Get them turned around while I get supplies out of here. This is our lucky night, all right. Say, look, it's to snow. Even our trail will be covered. I get that team turned
3: around. Back in the cafe, Sergeant Preston and the men were giving Zeke artificial respiration. Molly stood weeping beside them.
9: It's no use, Sergeant. You've worked on him for almost an hour. It's no use.
4: We're not giving up yet.
9: Uh, You better let me take over for a while, Sergeant. You're all worn out. All right, Jim. Come on Sergeant, is he
4: do you think? There's a chance, Molly. But he's so stiff. He inhaled a lot of smoke, I'm afraid. Can't figure out where he got that blow on the head. Lack of his head is bloody as if something hit him. If he were hit by a falling beam, I'd have seen it. He was lying on his face.
8: Maybe you couldn't see it. There was so much smoke.
4: Uh, Sergeant, look. I think he's coming round. Keep working, Jim. We've done it, Molly. He's breathing. Oh,
10: thank heaven. Is he coming too, Sergeant? I didn't think there was a chance. I thought he was done for. See, you yeah.
4: boys better go in the other room. He needs all the air there is in here. All Thanks right. for your help. Call us if you need us. We'll right. out here. <coughs> all right, Jim. Can you stop now. I'll lift him over on the cot.
7: Right, is he going to be all right,
4: Sergeant? I think so, Molly. There. What happened? Jail caught on fire, Zeke, and you were overcome by the smoke. And the reason you're alive is because
9: Sergeant Preston rescued you.
2: Jail? On fire? Zeke. Zeke, I'm
8: so glad you're
4: alive. Molly. We'd better let him rest now. He's weak. Oh, my head. He must have been hit by a falling timber, Zeke. Your scalp is split open. That's why your head's bandaged. Now, you better lie back and try to sleep for a while.
5: The
4: prisoners. Don't think about it, Zeke. Try to rest. Did, did
2: you get him, Mike and Louie? No,
4: there <laughs> wasn't time. I barely had time to get you out of the place. The building collapsed. I guess it's all over as far as they're concerned. Don't think about it. Uh,
2: no, no. Try to get some sleep now, Zeke. But, I remember now. They... they got out. Got out? That's what hurt my head. They... they hit me with my gun. You mean they got out of their cell? Oh, dear. Yes, they... they must have They set, set, fire. set fire
4: to the jail, hoping we'd think they were burned along with you. Filthy murderers.
9: They meant to burn you alive. Oh, oh.
4: We'll get them back.
9: Well, they didn't have any supplies. They can't get far...
4: They did have plenty of time. They could have helped themselves to supplies from any cabin in town. Everybody was at the fire. That's right. You can take care of Zeke alone now, Molly. All he needs is rest and sleep.
8: Yes, Sergeant, I can take care of him, all right?
4: Jim, come with me. Is we'll have, have the men search right? every cabin we'll in town see to see if they're hiding anywhere. Sure, Sergeant. One king. I wish king knew who they were and could follow their scent. Everything they used was burned in the fire. Is Zeke all right, Sergeant? Did you bring him too? Zeke's going to be all right, boys. Oh,
7: I never fine. thought he'd make it. Fine.
4: sure looked like a goner to me. I have a job for all of you right now. The prisoners weren't burnt in the fire, they escaped.
9: Hey, what do you mean?
4: They knocked Zeke out and set the jail on fire. I now I want every cabin in town searched for them. They may be hiding here. See if any of you have been robbed of supplies. That way we may be able to follow their trails. It's been snowing
10: hard for the last hour, Sergeant. You won't find any tracks. It'll give us
4: a lead if we can find the cabin where they took supplies. It'll show which direction they were going. I'll be at Zeke's cabin. My dog team's there. If you find anything, report to me there. Come on, Jim.
3: Uh, I hey, you side as Sergeant Preston and Jim approached Zeke's cabin, King ran ahead of them through the falling snow. Suddenly, the Maori heard him barking frantically, and Preston hurried to see what the trouble was.
4: What do you think is wrong with him, Sergeant? I don't know, Jim. Can't see a thing. The snow's too thick. What's wrong, fella? I don't see anything. Neither do I. That's just the trouble. My dog team's gone. Your dog team? You mean he was out here in front? Yes, I left him here while I went into Molly's. I intended to sleep at the jail and put them in the shed there, and then the fire started. Well,
9: maybe they just uh, ran away.
4: No, they wouldn't do that. They were tired. I'm afraid they were stolen. You mean by the murderers? Let's go into Molly's cabin, Jim. We'll see what we can find. Monking, (laughs) this was the logical place for them to come. It's the edge of town. They were here,
9: all right. Look at the shelves and the
4: beds. They messed things up. Jim, you have a dog team, haven't you?
9: it's not much compared to yours, but it's the best in town.
4: Would you lend it to me?
9: You know you don't have to ask, Sergeant. But how are you going to trail them? The snow will cover
4: everything. King doesn't know what men we're after, but he knows that team. He can follow their scent. Of course, he never
9: thought of that. And I'm going with you, Sergeant. The temperature's dropping. This storm may be a blizzard by morning. Won't be safe to travel alone.
4: Fine, Jim. Glad to have you. Now, let's get your dog team and some supplies. We'll start tonight. King, following the scent of Sergeant
3: Preston's dog team through the darkness, had to slow down to enable Jim's dog team to keep up with him. Sergeant Preston grew more and more discouraged as he knew that the distance between them and the men they were pursuing was getting greater every moment. Jim's team was no match for his own. At last, they were forced to camp for the rest of the night. And it was late the following morning when King led them to a small cabin near the trail. The blizzard had begun. When the wind swirled the icy snow into their faces like tiny bullets.
4: Do you think they stopped here last night? They must have, but they've gone. No sign of my team. Guess we better stop here for a while and get warm. Oh, you assholes! Oh. Yeah, the dogs are tired too. Phew. This blizzard is really kicking up. Come on, King. You better come in with us, boy.
9: A little fire left in the stove. Maybe I can keep it going.
4: They must have left here early this morning.
9: Well, there's one thing in our favor. Huh? This blizzard won't help them murders any. It's getting worse every minute. They won't get far. Maybe they'll get lost. Start going around in circles.
4: Plenty of times I'd have been lost in blizzards. It hadn't been for King. When I'm in a spot like that, I just let him take over and he gets me out of it.
9: Uh, I swear I never saw a dog like him. <laughs> Look at him. He's not even tired. My dogs are dropping in their tracks.
4: This is nothing for King. You could keep up that pace all day and still be fresh. Couldn't you, fella? Uh,
9: is the dog that's leading your team now uh,
4: reliable? Not very, Jim. He's used to depending on King. He won't be much help in the blizzard. Jim, I have an idea. Huh? It's a long chance. I'm going to send King after them alone. King? But how Mike can he- and Louie will be confused in this blizzard. They won't know which is north or south. If King could lead the team back here, Mike and Louie wouldn't know the difference.
9: But maybe they're camping someplace, holding in until Blizzard's over.
4: If King brings the dog team back without them, we won't have any trouble catching them tomorrow.
9: Well, I should think you'd be afraid they might shoot him or something.
4: King and I have to take chances like that. It's our job. Come on, King, old boy. It's up to you now. I want you to bring the team back here, fella. The team. Understand? Get the dogs, boy. Bring them back to me. After them, boy. Get the team. On King! Hope he makes it. You better put your dog team back in the woodshed, Jim, hide the sled. All we have to do now is wait. The
3: blizzard had increased, but Mike and Louie kept going, their heads bent into the wind. At last, Louie protested.
7: I think we're off trail. That lead dog he does not know where to go. You got to trust him. They lead us to a cabin or something can't stop here with no protection. I can't tell whether we're going north or south. Maybe we go round and round in circle. Uh, hey, you hear that? You hear a dog? Listen. Gui, look, there. That is big dog. Maybe he's lost. Uh, look at it. He's getting in front of the team. Yeah. He's breaking the trail for him. Maybe he's somebody's lead dog. You think we should harness him? Oh, he's doing all right. Hey, look at the dogs. They're speeding up. Maybe he'll take us to somebody's cabin, eh? I hope so. can got go much longer. Mush!
4: Mush! Get along there!
3: It was a few hours later, and Sergeant Preston paced the cabin nervously as he listened to the howling wind outside. Jim lay asleep on the cot. Then suddenly,
4: the Mountie heard the sound he'd been waiting for. Jim! Jim, wake up! That's King! What? What? King's brought the team back. I told you he would. Well, I'll be...
9: You're going out there now?
4: No, we'd better wait right here for a minute. If the men are with him, they'll come in. Hey, I want you! I'll, be, I'll get him! I'll be, I'll be that dog. Let, go. let go! I'll take you! Oh, oh no, no, no more gunplay. Take, take him away! Down, King. On guard, boy. Oh, my arm! Oh, my arm! King doesn't let anybody pull a gun on me. Close that door, will you, Jim? All right. Stay right here, King, and keep an eye on these two. Uh, uh, that dog. Yeah. <laughs> Belongs to you. That's right. And the dog team you stole, well, King considers that team his. That dog, you Brooks, stole the wrong dog team. And now, with King watching you, you won't escape again. King agrees to that. That dog could not be fine. That's right. Thanks to King, this case is closed. <laughs>
3: In just a moment, Sergeant Preston will give you a preview of Wednesday's program. Discover why Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice win the praise of many a He-Man Hollywood movie star. Try Wheat or Rice Shot from Guns yourself at breakfast tomorrow. These crisp, tender, king-size grains are really swell-tasting. And good for you, too. Remember, Quaker puffed wheat and Quaker puffed rice are never sold in bags or bulk always buy the big red and blue package with the smiling Quaker man on the front. That's your guarantee that you're getting the original crisp, fresh Quaker Puff wheat and Quaker puffed rice. These radio dramas, a feature of the Challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, are created and produced by George W. Trendle, directed by Fred Flowerday, and supervised by Charles D. Livingston. The part of Sergeant Preston is played by Paul Sutton. For delicious hot breakfast, eat Quaker Oats. The giant of the cereals is Quaker Oats. Yes, the giant of the cereals is Quaker Oats. Delicious, nutritious, makes you feel ambitious. The giant of the cereals is Quaker Oats. Say, boys and girls, do you want to be a star someday in sports and activities? Then start on good Quaker Oats breakfast tomorrow. Because nourishing oatmeal gives you more growth and endurance than any other whole-grain cereal. Still less than one penny a serving. Quaker and Mother's Oats are the same. The Challenge of the Yukon is brought to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at this same time by Quaker Puff Wheat and Quaker Puff Rice. The breakfast cereal shot from guns. Listen Wednesday when Sergeant Preston and Yukon King
4: meet the challenge of the Yukon in the adventure Bonanza 47. Did you ever hear of a dead man being tried for murder? Well, that happened once up in the Yukon during the days of the gold rush. But that was only one of the unusual angles in this particular case I was following. And there might have been more than one killing if it hadn't been for King. It was he who solved the mystery. Be sure to hear this exciting
3: story Wednesday. Till then, this is J. Michael wishing you goodbye, good luck, and good health from Quaker Popped Wheat and Quaker Popped Rice. So long.
1: Stay tuned for The Bickersons next on Theatre of the Mind. Let's go back to 1946 in an episode of The Bickerson, starring Don Ameche. From
11: Hollywood, it's dream time. ¶¶ Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Dream Shampoo are pleased to present the 12th in a series of new programs produced by Carlton Alsop and starring Don Amici...
12: Blanche, let me sleep, will you? Danny Thomas... Progress. You called this progress? Kaiser's driving Fraser on, on a motorcycle. <laughs> and
11: our glamorous dream girl, Frances Langford, who sings...
13: The moon belongs to...
11: Dream. Right.
14: Never before dream could any shampoo reveal all the natural brilliance of your hair.
11: Never before dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage. When you drain your hair, you bring out all its sparkling highlights. When you dream your hair, you glamorize all its soft, thrilling texture. And when you dream your hair, you remove all luster-dulling soap film and unsightly dandruff. More, Dream's rich whipped cream leather leaves your hair easier to set... Easier to curl, easier to arrange, right after shampooing.
14: So for lovely, lustrous hair, for all types of hair.
11: Use Dream Shampoo with hair conditioning action. Never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous yet so easy to manage. D-R-E-N-E Dream Shampoo. And now here is your host for the evening, Don Amici.
10: Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, and good evening. Francis, before you get away, I want to tell you that I thought your song was delightful. And Toby, your commercial was stimulating. And Carmen, your music was magnificent. Boy, you feel great tonight, don't you? Oh, I certainly do, Carmen. Do you realize that it's March, the month of Harold's Spring? Oh, I just love March. Beautiful March. Me
12: too. In fact, I'm looking forward to every month this year, romantic April, delightful May, enchanting June, exotic July.
10: Carmen, you've got the soul of a poet.
12: No, I've got an Esquire calendar. (laughs)
10: Well, I hope you and your calendar are very happy together. But as for me, I have spring fever. Uh, Francis. Yes, Don? I'd like to drop over to your house about 8.30 tonight. I'll put the top down in my convertible and... and oh, then...
15: I'm so sorry, Don, but I sort of half-promised Danny Thomas I'd keep him company while he's experimenting with his new chemistry set. Oh,
10: Francis, do you know what you're letting yourself in for? He won't pay any attention to you. He's had his eye glued to that microscope for three days now.
15: Three days?
10: Yes, that poor soul is trying to outstare a germ. <laughs> he hasn't got an ounce of romance in his body.
15: Oh, I'm sure he has, Don. Did you ever notice his soulful round eyes...
10: Did you ever see square ones? <laughs> Why, well, as far as he's concerned, spring is just. Ge- oh, there he is now. The germ must have won.
15: Danny! Danny Thomas! Hello. Hello, everybody. Isn't it wonderful, Danny?
12: What's wonderful?
13: Spring will soon be here. It
12: will? Yeah, can't you feel it? Can't you feel those
10: soft, balmy breezes? does something to a man, eh,
12: Danny? Oh, I know. You're such a mean Don. You do? Yeah, makes you want to get out the old kite and fly the tail of it, boy. Say, hey, uh, uh, Danny, have you have you ever thought about girls? Oh, girls. They fascinate me every time I see them walking down the street in their dainty open-toed shoes. Sure, I, I think about them a lot.
15: What do you think about them, Danny? will not their toes ever get cold?
5: <laughs>
15: Look,
10: Danny, when a fellow's your age, he doesn't spend all his evenings reading popular mechanics or building a speckled bird's egg collection.
12: Doesn't romance mean anything to you? Of course it does, Don. If I may quote from the classics, in the words of the immortal Hildegard.
5: She's wonderful, Hildegard.
12: I should only wear my nose the way she wears her hair. Je vous aime beaucoup. Toujours le mot, mon petit chéri.
15: Oh, that's beautiful, Danny. What does it mean?
12: If I knew, wouldn't I say it in English? (laughs) You see, what did I tell you, Francis? Danny, you
10: ought to get yourself a girl.
12: Ah, love is only for women.
10: I've heard of a few men who are interested in it, too. (laughs) But I'm afraid there'll never be any romance in your life.
12: I guess you're right, Don. I'm kind of like parsley on a piece of fish. I look all right, but nobody wants me.
15: (laughs) Oh, I wouldn't say that, Danny. I'm sure there must be somebody.
12: Well, yesterday I did have kind of a date with the girl next door who went to the movies, and the three of us had a great time. The three of you? Yeah, me and my girl and the fella I brought along for her. (laughs) You brought a fellow along for your girl? Yeah, she makes me. She's boy crazy. (laughs) Obviously. He wasn't much of a fellow, though. A little on the dumb side. The dumb side? Yeah, what a dope. You spend 75 cents to see a movie and waste the whole evening hugging and kissing my girl.
10: (laughs) Your girl? That sounds a bit like an overstatement.
12: Oh, no, it isn't, Don. She told me that her heart belongs to me. She did. It's just that the rest of her likes to go out with other fellows.
10: <laughs> Danny, maybe you better stick to your chemistry set. What do you mean? Oh, you're not with it. You're not on the ball. In everyday life, you're just not making any progress. Progress.
12: Hmm. You know why I'm not making any progress? Because I don't want to. Do you think this age of speed and tempo is good for you? Well, frankly, I never gave it much thought. Um, give it some thought, Don progress. Have you seen the new 1948 cars? No, but I'd like to buy one. I can't afford a used car. (laughs) I'm serious about this. Things are moving too fast. You know, they say the two biggest features on the new cars are air brakes and unbreakable windshields. Now you can speed up to 200 miles an hour and stomp on a dime. Then you press a special button and a putty knife scrapes you off the windshield. (laughs) that's a handy gadget. Well, don't take it so lightly, Don. I mean, there's such a thing as too much progress. For instance, one of man's most priceless privileges, sitting down to dinner with his family, uh, simple little pleasure like that is in jeopardy. By the other day, my doctor showed me the latest invention in medical science. It's a little pill. Contains the equivalent of an entire meal. Soup, salad, steak, baked potato, choice of three vegetables, a (laughs) cup of coffee and a big piece of apple pie a la mode and two toothpicks. (laughs)
10: Ah, You're joking. No,
12: not I tried one, but a horrible thing happened. When I took the pill, it was upside down. Well, what's so horrible about that? I ate the dessert first. (laughs) What happened to the toothpicks? Don't be such a wise guy, will you? Oh, now,
10: wait a minute, Danny. Progress has more good features than bad ones. Have you read about the new stockings for women guaranteed not to get runs? They're made out of cold
12: wood and rubber. So what? Instead of runs, they'll get clinkers, splinters, and blowouts. (laughs) Inventions, inventions, innovations. Well, years ago, when a woman wanted to go to sleep, she simply put on a nightgown and went to bed. Today, before she gets into bed, she puts on hair crimpers, wrinkle erasers, dimple depressors, ear flatteners, nose straighteners. <laughs> uh, if a man wants to kiss his wife good night, he has to battle his way through twelve dollars worth of
13: hardware. <laughs>
10: You know, Danny, you got me convinced. Let's both go back and play with your chemistry set.
12: Now you're talking sense, Don. <laughs> Progress is all right, but it has to be harnessed. Now look, I'd like to show you my new formula. It'll revolutionize present-day living. What is it? Beverage.
10: Uh, what's it made of?
12: Shh. Liquid.
10: <laughs> mm, a liquid beverage.
12: Yeah, I'll tell you about it. Mm. Now with study and forethought. And research and more thought I have discovered something new My magic elixir Is the wonderful fixer Of anything that's wrong with you I'll bottle it and I'll attain fame The whole world will honor my name Drink Thomas Cola And you'll whistle at the girls once more If you're half alive And you're 95 Thomas Cola makes you feel like 94 (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Cola It has sparkle And it's cool and keen I can't rave enough You will love the stuff Unless you don't like the taste of kerosene Now if you're looking wrong And you're feeling duller. You really have no excuse. Thomas Cola will give your cheeks some color. Purple, blue, and chartreuse. (laughs) Drink Thomas Cola. Fill your glass and take a healthy slug. It's a real surprise. Makes your spirit rise. While the rest of you just lies there on the rug.
11: Listen to testimonials from all over the world. From Milan, Italy, we hear from Mr. Antonio Garibaldi Tommaso.
12: Well, I tell you, <laughs> I first tried Thomas Cola when I was twenty years old, and today, twenty years later, I'm very happy to say I am now thirty years old.
5: <laughs>
12: Thomas Cola. That's it for that's why I am as happy as it can be. I drink a wine until my top as she blows. <laughs> and with the Thomas Cola, I always wash my clothes. <laughs> Thomas
11: Cola. And now we hear from the Earl of Thomas, one of the leading literary lights of England, being interviewed.
15: My lord, if you had your choice, would you select wine or Thomas Cola?
12: Wine? Or Thomas Cola, you say? Well, my lady, wine, when aged in casks of choice oak, pervades my spirit like exotic incense. A thousand violins throb in my head. I am wafted in fleecy clouds to the seventh heaven above the seventh heaven. (laughs) I respond to its delicacy of flavor with the infinite me that has existed throughout the eternities. Whereas, my lady, Thomas Cola. Yes? Yes? Thomas Cola makes me burp. Thomas <laughs> Cola! And now, in Lower Africa, let's
11: listen to Mr. Thomas himself addressing a group of natives.
12: Ogla, Ugwa Wambo, Bola, Zango, Bango, Thomas Cola. La-ba-wa-o, nickelback-a-manda-ba-o. <laughs>
11: Not 50, not 75, but 100% true.
14: Yes, it's 100% true. Dream shampoo actually reveals all the natural sparkle, all the sheen, all the dazzling brilliance of your hair.
11: Right. Never before, Dream, could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous. Now, that's because Dream is not a soap shampoo, so can't leave dulling soap film on your hair to hide its natural beauty. And what's more, Dream does not dry out your hair. Instead, its fragrant, freshening, whipped cream lather leaves your hair sublimely smooth, beautifully behaved, easier to set, and arrange right after shampooing. And Dreen removes unsightly dandruff the first time you use it.
14: So, for lovely, lustrous hair, for all types of hair, dry, normal, or oily, use Dream shampoo with hair conditioning action.
11: Use Dream at home or ask for Dream at your beauty shop. Buy Dream at all drug department or ten cent stores in the familiar blue and yellow package. Remember, never before Dream could any shampoo leave your hair so lustrous, yet so easy to manage.
14: Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use Dream.
11: Yes, your hair can have that dazzling sheen the very first time that you use Dream. <laughs> And now, Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas' as brother Amos in The Honeymoon Is Over. <laughs> and here's lovely Francis Langford with a special arrangement of Sonata by Carmen Dragon and the orchestra.
13: Sonata. <laughs> dream of staying
11: As we promised you, Don Amici and Francis Langford as John and Blanche Bickerson with Danny Thomas as Brother Amos in The Honeymoon is Over, written by Phil Rapp. The Bickersons have retired. Mrs. Bickerson wrestles the bedclothes in sympathetic agony as poor husband John, victim of a rare type of insomnia which manifests itself in alternate periods of coma and narcolepsy, reaches the crisis during an acute stage of the ailment. Listen.
5: <laughs> <Sarge-couches. clears throat>
15: oh dear, now he's scaring himself to death. <laughs> Are you in pain?
10: Are you in pain, Blanche?
15: What's the matter with you?
10: What's the matter, Blanche?
15: Stop repeating everything I say like a parrot. Why do you repeat everything?
10: Hmm?
15: Why do you repeat everything?
10: You just said that.
15: I know I did.
10: Why do you repeat everything? Keep repeating everything like a parrot.
15: Very funny. I'll bet you're a riot with those broken down friends of yours. I never want them in this house again.
10: None of my friends have ever been in this house.
15: Why not? Are you ashamed of me?
10: I'm not ashamed of you.
15: Then why don't you invite them here? Because they're a bunch of bums.
10: They're not bums.
15: When we got married, I gave up all my girlfriends. Why don't you do it?
10: Okay, I'll give up all your girlfriends.
15: (laughs) I wish we could meet some nice people. You should belong to a lodge or something. Why don't you join the Elks, John?
10: I'll join next week.
15: You say it, but you won't do it. Why don't you join now? What? Go on, get up and join me out.
10: are you out of your mind? It must be three o'clock in the morning.
15: It's only half past two.
10: Oh, why don't you let me sleep? You know I have to get up early.
15: I won't let you sleep. Because if you sleep, you'll snore. Then you'll wake me and I'll wake you and we'll argue and I won't get any sleep.
10: I promise, I won't snore.
15: You always snore. Week in, week out. On Monday you snore, Tuesday you snore, Wednesday you snore, Thursday you snore, Friday you snore, Saturday you snore. So what do you do tonight? Oh, what's the use? He's having that dream again. John, John, you said you wouldn't snore. Yes, dear. Turn over on your side.
10: Yes, dear. Yes, dear What'd you say, Blanche?
15: I didn't say anything That was an automobile backfiring Oh John mm. Close the window It's cold outside
10: If I close the window Will it be warmer outside?
15: Oh, get up and close it I'm freezing to death
10: Put a pan under it I'll have the plumber in the morning
15: John, I have indigestion I've never been so sick In all my life
10: All right, Blanche I'm awake. Now, what's the matter with you?
15: I don't feel good, John. Call the doctor.
10: You don't need the doctor. I'll handle it. Where does it hurt you?
15: Right here, in the pit of my stomach. It's a shooting pain, and it comes about every five minutes.
10: How long does it last?
15: At least a quarter of an hour.
10: How can it last a quarter of an hour if it comes every five minutes?
15: (laughs) Don't yell at me. I'm sick. If I say the pain lasts a quarter of an hour, then it lasts a quarter of an hour. Okay. I think it's that dinner we ate at the Gooseby's. The fish disagreed with me.
10: It wouldn't dare.
15: I never want to eat there again. Every mouthful was poisoned. And the portions were so small.
10: Why, you ate like you were condemned.
15: Well, you have to be polite when you go to dinner. I wish we hadn't eaten anything. I'm suffering, so call the doctor. Oh,
10: now, don't get hysterical. It's just indigestion. I know how to treat it. I'll fix you some hot ginger ale and oatmeal.
15: Hot ginger ale?
10: Make a new man of you.
15: John Biggsen. I don't want any of your insane remedies. You'll treat me for indigestion and I'll probably die of liver trouble.
10: Listen, if I treat you for indigestion, you'll die of indigestion. <laughs>
15: now,
10: do you want me to help you or not?
15: Not if you're going to yell at me like that. You wouldn't yell at Gloria Gooseby if she got now, sick.
10: Now, don't start with Gloria Gooseby.
15: I saw you two at the dinner table playing footsies. Footsies. You were so flustered when she smirked at you, you couldn't eat.
10: I was not flustered. Then
15: why did you put gravy on your ice cream? I always put
10: gravy on my ice cream. I love gravy on anything and you know it.
15: A likely story. Ah. And the gown that woman was wearing, she ought to be arrested. I think she purposely swallowed that fish bone so you could stroke her back.
10: I didn't stroke her back, I patted it. Might have done that if she hadn't swallowed the fish bone.
15: I mean if she hadn't been wearing that gown. I don't know how Leo stands for it. He's such a wonderful man, and Gloria's always playing sick around him just to get sympathy. Uh lots you care what happens to me. Every time Gloria gets a headache, Leo hugs and kisses her and fawns over her. Why don't you do that?
10: I'm never there when she has a headache.
15: <laughs> I mean, why don't you fuss over me?
10: Now listen, Blanche, you're not sick, and you know it.
15: Well, I'm depressed. You're going out of town tomorrow, and I'll be so lonesome, I'll die. I'm
10: only going overnight. I'll be back on Tuesday.
15: If you cared for me, you wouldn't leave me. I'm not
10: leaving you. I have to go on business, and I won't be gone over 24 hours.
15: Suppose a burglar breaks in the house and finds me.
10: It'll serve him right. (laughs) Now let me sleep, please, Blanche. I have to make an early train.
15: We've never been separated before. I'm afraid absence will conquer your love.
10: Oh, no. The longer I'm away from you, the better I'll like you.
15: I don't like the way that sounded.
10: Well, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do?
15: Say absence makes the heart grow fonder.
10: Absence makes the heart grow fonder.
15: That's the most stupid saying in the world. What? Look at what happened to Mel Shaw. He left his wife alone for two weeks, and now he's the unhappiest man alive. And you know why?
10: She was still there when he came home.
15: (laughs) She was not. Louise got lonesome and she ran off with the upholsterer. When Mel came home and found out what happened, he went right out and got so drunk, they had to take him to a sanitarium.
10: Why, he ought to be ashamed of himself. Why? A man should wait at least a week before celebrating. (laughs) Good
15: night. Don't be so smart. You might come home and find things changed, too.
5: Mm Mm-hmm.
15: Go on. Stay away from home for a month. Stay away for a year. See if I care.
10: I'm only going for one day. Run
15: all over the country. Go to Europe. Never let me know where you are. Just keep me sitting here wondering whether you're alive or dead. Blanche. Why don't you write to me, John?
10: <laughs> now listen to me, Blanche. You have only one object in mind, and that is to keep me awake.
15: I just want you to tell me you love me.
10: I love you. Now, are you satisfied?
15: How much do you love me?
10: How much do you need? <laughs>
15: Forty-five dollars. I saw the most stunning hat, John. If I get it, I'm sure I won't feel so
10: depressed. $45 for a hat? That's a fine cure for depression. That'll start one.
15: Women need those things to cheer them up. Look at Clara, my oldest sister. Every time she's in the dump, she buys a dress.
10: I figured that's where she bought her clothes.
15: (laughs) I'm not giving you $45
10: for any hat, and that's final. Now let me sleep.
15: Oh, I hate you. How my mother begged me not to marry you. She pleaded with me not to marry you.
10: Your mother told you not to marry me? Y-
15: yes, she did.
10: Dear heaven, how I've misjudged that woman.
15: <laughs> oh, you'll be sorry for this, John Biggerson. You just wait and see. Oh,
10: please, Blanche, I'm so tired and I have to make a seven o'clock train. That means I have to get up before six.
15: Why do you need so much time? Well, I
10: have to pack my suitcase, don't I?
15: You haven't got a suitcase.
10: Oh, I have to. I bought a brand new one yesterday. It's in the closet. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. I put it there last night.
15: I took it out this morning. Why? Amos borrowed it.
10: Oh, Blanche, he didn't. You didn't let that weasel take my brand new suitcase. I've never even used it. Don't
15: scream so. You can carry your stuff in a paper bag.
10: <laughs> paper bag? My suits will get all wrinkled.
15: No, they won't. Amos borrowed them, too. <laughs> Look, Blanche. I see no reason for you to carry on like this, John. Blanche. Amos is going on a sailing trip with some very important businessmen, and he won't hurt your silly old suitcase. Blanche. He has to have something to bring the fish home in.
10: He's going to carry fish in my suitcase, and I have to put my clothes in a gunny sack.
15: Well, stay home, then. I can't
10: stay home.
15: If you leave me here alone in this horrid house tomorrow, and I'll... All right,
10: to... all right, all right. I'll call Amos. I'll have him come over and stay here till I get back. Put the lights on. Oh, <laughs> Amos blanche if i don't go on this trip tomorrow i'm liable to lose my job hello amos this is john
12: hi jacko what's new
10: say i, I want to ask a little favor amos i have to go out of town tomorrow and blanche is afraid to stay here alone could you come over and spend the night
12: what's in it for me
10: What a chiseler.
12: Is it worth a double sawbuck, Jocko?
10: Okay, $20.
12: And all the bourbon I can drink?
10: All the bourbon you can drink.
12: And can I bring a couple of friends over?
10: Bring some friends.
12: Take a note you won't back out, Jocko.
10: I give you my word of honor.
12: Okay, I'll be over tomorrow.
10: Uh, Wait, Amos, when you come over, uh, uh, you might bring my new suitcase with you.
12: I might bring it, but I won't. Because I already hocked it.
15: Good night, Jocko.
10: Ooh, oh, how I hate that man. You see what you make me go through just because you pretend you're scared to be alone?
15: I'm not going to be alone. What? Mother's coming over to stay for the rest of the year. Good night, John.
10: Oh. Nice. This is Donna Michi, wish wishing good days, good nights, and good luck until we meet again. Everybody's talking about DREFT, the greatest dishwashing discovery in 2,000 years. DREFT, D-R-E-F-T, DREFT. Procter & Gamble's sudsing miracle that gets dishes so clean they shine even without wiping. Yes, it makes even glasses sparkle like jewels. DREFT simply can't leave any streaks on dishes the way all soaps do. Why, with DREFT, your nicest glassware positively shines. DREFT is kind to your hands, too. Get DREFT in the bright green package. That's DREFT.
11: DREFT. <laughs> Remember, never before dream, yes, never before dream could any shampoo reveal 100% of the natural luster of your hair. Listen next Sunday for another pleasant half hour with Don Amici, Danny Thomas, Francis Langford, Carmen Dragon, and
1: his orchestra. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's the Damon Runyon Theater, followed by the Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer.